you know, time flies when you're having fun. And I have had a lot of fun over <laughs> the past year, apparently, because I have been consistently forgetting to edit and upload this old episode of Tom Harris USA. Now, this is Tom Harris USA, episode number 10, and this came out at the end of May of 2009, so two years ago now, and I had to delete these uh, first 10 episodes off the server at some point when I upgraded the service and I didn't have any room left on the account, etc., etc., and I know that I promised that I would have this up online before the end of 2010. Obviously, that didn't happen. So, without further ado, here is Tom Harris, USA, Episode 10, Revisited. It's really interesting listening back to this because, you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. And here we are talking about me losing my job back in May of 2009. Now, as it happens, I actually didn't lose my job for another five or six months after this show was recorded. And then I was gone for three months, and then they hired me back, and I was there for a little bit over a year after they hired me back. So that is kind of where this is. Very, very interesting that this could apply just as well to the end of 2010 as it could to the middle of 2009. So interesting stuff, that. Anyway, without further ado, here is the long-lost Tom Harris USA, Episode 10. Good afternoon, good evening. This is Tom Harris and welcome to Tom Harris USA, episode 10. Hooray! We're in the double digits. And hopefully we will be in the double digits for a very long time to come. (laughs) Oh my goodness me. My throat is feeling much better, thank you for asking. So before I get talking about what I had sort of planned on talking about today, I just wanted to mention a couple of emails I had. I want to thank uh, Bulent, Bulent from Bulgaria, who uh, had listened to my episode talking about Facebook. He sent me a book, and I haven't had a chance to read it yet, Bulent, but I will, and uh, perhaps I'll mention it on the program once I've done so. But uh, I just wanted to acknowledge that I had received it, and uh, thanks for sending it along. And it's, the book is called Inside Facebook, and it's uh, it looks like a quick read. It's only about 125 pages long, and was written by one of the engineers. Uh, I don't know how relevant it will be to the topic I was talking about, but hey, you know, it's always worth a look. So thanks, Bulent, for... Uh, sending the book along, and I do promise I'll get to it eventually. I do have other things right now kind of piling up that I need to read ahead of it, but I will, and uh, I'll get back to you and let you know what I thought of that. So shortly after I posted the last episode, I got a comment on Podbean from a guy named David, and I spent about half of the show last, last time, episode nine, talking about Star Trek and the new movie, and kind of general thoughts on the on the various Star Trek shows. And this David uh, posted a couple of links that he I guess he thought were relevant. Now, I'm not sure how he found the show. It doesn't appear that he actually listened to the show. So I'm wondering if it's one of these robot things that goes around and kind of sticks random links on people. I, I actually did clear it through through moderation just to see. I, I don't wanna I don't wanna seem like I'm being closed minded, but it is one of the links is a link to a Christian website. And 
as I said in the previous episode, I do like the dialogue with Christians. One of the links was a uh, it was a review of the new Star Trek movie, uh, and I believe it was from something like the Washington Post, sort of a mainstream, you know, somewhat respected paper. And uh, the other link was to a Christian website, which appears to be a very biased news type site. That, that caters to the evangelical community. And this person apparently does a regular pop culture column. And it's a Star Trek quiz. Now, only about half of the questions are actually about Star Trek. Of, of the 30 questions, only about half of them actually have anything to do with the show. And the other half have to do with the Bible. It, it's always been very strange to me. And that, I guess it's been going on ever since I've been aware of it. And that, that would be since the early 70s. But I think the first time I, I saw this uh, phenomenon was um, a book called The Gospel According to Peanuts. That, that was probably the granddaddy of all of them. And it was a book that talked about the um, you know, Peanuts comic strip and the Christian themes of that. Not a surprise, because uh, Schultz, um, who did the Peanuts strip, was a Christian. And he often put you know, Bible references in the series. And then when I was a teenager, I got a book, because uh, I was big into comics when I was a, a teenager, called The Gospel According to Superman. And even when I was a Christian, I thought that was pretty silly. But I, I did have it for many years, and, and I guess it, it has since gone along with uh, most of my other Christian books. I still have a few things left, but there were various moves and floods and, and things that uh, kind of... I got rid of most of my books, period. I always find it very strange and kind of creepy sometimes, uh, <laughs> the lengths that people go to to evangelize using pop culture. And apparently this this uh, column, which admittedly I, I've only seen the one Star Trek column, it, it just seems to me very much like uh, Pastor Dave from that 70s show. I don't know if you have the show overseas, for those of you who are listening over in the UK and Germany and Spain, but uh, there's a character on that 70s show called Pastor Dave, and he's sort of a, a stereotypical youth pastor type who tries to reach the youth using hip cultural references. <laughs> and he comes across very much like the, the youth pastors who I was familiar with when I was a Christian. And uh, I think in his first appearance, he was, you know, oh, yes, you kids, you all, you know, love the Fonz, right? And and the Fonz is cool, right? Well, you know who else is cool? Jesus. <laughs> so I kind of wonder what, what the audience for that sort of thing is and how many kids actually would fall for that. The Star Trek quiz is actually, it, it's pretty well written. And as far as I can tell, the trivia is actually correct, what there is of it. I didn't actually go and double-check it all, because there, I'm not familiar with Voyager, and uh, the, there's some other things in there that I'm really not very familiar with. But it does seem, though, that it's a little confused about what the what's the message of this quiz. You know, is the message to equate Jesus with Star Trek? I'll go along with that. I mean, they're both fictional stories, and but I really don't think that that is what the author intended. The intention is to get Star Trek fans to you know believe in Jesus. Well, that's probably not going to help. I, so I'm guessing that the audience is it's meant for a Christian audience. But I really hope that they don't start thinking that Star Trek was created 
with Christian content because, as everybody knows, Gene Roddenberry, who, who created the thing, was a very outspoken atheist and made no bones about, no pun intended, his atheism and would not have wanted to be connected with something like this, I think. But it was still pretty interesting. So thanks, David, for sending that along. So I had a bit of news yesterday, and normally I don't talk about my job on uh, the podcast. And there are reasons for that, and that has to do with uh, you know an agreement that I made with my bosses back when I was hired to not talk about the company. So it is kind of a um, confidentiality agreement. So I'm not going to go into too much detail here. But it does appear that I may be losing my job. You know, I have not been given any kind of time frame or uh, any other details other than changes coming. <laughs> uh, so, so the last few days have been very stressful, and I, I haven't even told Pete yet. Uh, because he's been busy all weekend and, and, uh, I haven't really had a chance to talk, talk about it. But, uh, I've known, I mean, known that there were uh, problems with the company and there were changes in the works. Now, as far as, you know, I work for a company that owns restaurants and the, as far as the restaurants go, their operations are not going to change. But the structure of the company is a partnership. And uh, there are three three gentlemen who are who are partners in this uh, venture, and the partnership is breaking up. So as a result of that, the the assets of the company are being split three ways. And so the corporate office, which is my employer, uh, is not going to exist anymore. So a couple of the people have been let go outright. Uh, there were a couple people who had been let go earlier. And the remaining of the remaining three in the office, only one of us has actually received a job offer. Now they did they did talk to me some time ago, and they it was really not even a proper offer, but they had asked through through my supervisor whether or not I would possibly be interested in working up uh, in another town, um, which is it's about a two hour commute each way. If I had a car, it would probably be about a, you know, half hour drive or 45 minute drive. But because I don't have a car and I rely on public transportation for everything, I did say that you know, it would take me two hours each way. Um, I, it was not probably going to be something I'd be interested in. So I have a job for now. Two of the people in the office uh, are having their last days on Friday, this coming Friday. And they didn't have a whole lot of notice. As far as I know, I'm still there uh, until further notice, but further notice could be a week, could be a month, probably no longer than a couple of months. So this uh, this podcast may contain a certain amount of of angst over uh, looking for a new job, uh, the job search in general, and and that sort of thing. So I'm, I am anticipating that sometime in the next couple of weeks I'll know more. In all likelihood, um, I will not have a job coming shortly, and it's it's a real shame, you know. I it, yeah, because the the company generally has been okay to work for. It hasn't been the favorite job I've ever had, but that is coming. Uh, psychic show. I am working on that right now. It looks like it might be two parter. Um, I have a lot to say on the subject. I wanted to to um, 
touch a little bit on tarot cards today because Chris Reardon is going to have a tarot reader on his show sometime uh, in the next week or so. And I, uh, I have very mixed feelings about tarot cards. So I'm just going to give some general thoughts out there. And if you have comments, feel free to contact. You can email, you can email me <laughs> at tom at tomharrisusa.com. The, the website is still not built, but it's coming. I promise it, it, it is in the works. And if I do, in fact, end up losing my job, then I'll have a lot more time to work on it. <laughs> but hopefully it won't come to that anytime soon. So I, but I do plan on getting that, that website up. I do have one worry, and I'm just going to go back for a second to what I was talking about before. Some companies have a very dim view of their employees doing podcasts and blogs. And when I was in my last job search, there was actually a um, one company that I, I interviewed with that uh, said, you know, point blank, that they won't hire you if you have uh, a blog. So I'm kind of worried because I, I don't want to uh, work for a company that would actually keep me from doing this show. But if it comes right down to it, I might have to. So that is something I'm facing. Anyway, I'm going to go back to the subject here. Tarot cards. Now, people don't always understand that tarot cards are not magical. They are not mystical. Tarot cards are playing cards. They're a playing card that was designed for a game called tarot. Now, people in America don't play this game. It's not something that, that you see being played around here. I've, I've actually played it. Um, one of my trips uh, to Europe, I was staying in a, in a youth hostel in uh, Gimmelwald, Switzerland. And there was a group of French people playing tarot at the table next to me. So it's it's a game. It's a trump game. It's something like hearts or kind of like maybe a cross between hearts and bridge. Sort of a, an, yeah, kind of a weird um, game. So though in America, when you say the, the tarot cards, if you, you know, use the term, people think that these are cards that tell the future. It's very silly because I, you know, I do not claim to have any kind of psychic ability whatsoever. And that is because, because people don't have psychic powers, period. I'll be talking more about, much more about that later. But with tarot, you know, I, I used to do tarot readings. And it's part of what I will be talking about, and maybe not this week, uh, but, but maybe next week. The, the fact that tarot cards are not magical, mystical at all. The person interpreting the cards isn't a psychic. The person who can do do good tarot readings is not, you know, doesn't have any special abilities. What they have is a knowledge of the symbolism, you know, what what the cards are quote unquote supposed to mean, and all of the meaning from a tarot card reading is on the person who is having the reading done. So for example, I used to do tarot card readings. And I didn't use the, the traditional, you know, tarot card deck with the, you know, pentacles and rods and, and, uh, you know, major and minor arcana. I, I use a deck called the Morgan's Tarot, otherwise known as the Hippie Tarot, where each card is different. The, 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 each card is its own thing. And, um, I, I, of course, read the book, you know, the, the guide to it and what the cards were supposed to mean and so forth. But I, I never really liked 
the meanings they had. So I would assign my own meanings, just completely just, you know, make up new meanings for the cards based on my own interpretation of them. And I used to do tarot readings. And I have never, ever, ever claimed to have psychic ability. I will tell people when I do a reading for them, I haven't done one in a long time, but I, I will actually say right at the beginning of the reading, I am not a psychic. I don't have any kind of psychic powers at all. And tell them right up front. Now, the difference between me and somebody who charges money to do tarot readings is that I don't actually claim to be a psychic, and I don't take money for doing so. I, I, won't, I won't charge money. Uh, if people want to give me money, that's fine. But I don't charge money to do a tarot reading. And, but yet, even though I came right up front and said, no, I'm not a psychic, I don't have any gifts, the cars aren't magical, it's just a game, etc., I had so many people come to me and say, wow, that was a great reading. You just hit it all right on the head. And um, it goes to a point that I'm going to be making in my in my show on psychics, that uh, any time you make a quote-unquote mystical observation, if you keep it vague enough, people are going to read what they want into it. So anybody who... Uh, believes in tarot cards. I, I think you need to pay attention to the reading that you're, you're having. If you're having somebody do a reading for you, pay attention to what they're saying and see if this is actually what they're observing or whether they're offering you a very wide range of interpretation. A good tarot reader is going to give you this enormous amount of room for interpretation. So, for example... I will usually ask somebody when I'm doing a reading, you have a question about a particular area of your life. Tell me what area that is, and I'll I'll make the interpretation of the cards accordingly. Now, if I were really a psychic, anybody who's really a psychic, you wouldn't need to know what their question is. They, they would know that already because they're psychic, but of course they don't, so... So I could do a reading, and, and maybe I'll do maybe I'll do a live show where I where I'm doing tarot reading. May, that that might be fun. My only problem, you know, uh, um, you know, Ross Petzelt from the Ross Petzelt show, and that's r o s s p a t z e l t dot co dot uk, does a live show on Monday evenings UK time. They they actually would be uh, about eight o'clock in the morning uh, Central time. In the U.S., you know, I, I you know, if I, I've thought about doing a live show, but I, I always worry about somebody, whether or not somebody would actually call. <laughs> he says they do. I talked to him about this online. He says people do call, um, but uh, I don't know if the show has enough listeners yet that I could actually count on somebody calling during a live show. But uh, I maybe I will. Maybe I will do a live show where I do tarot readings and and see if um, uh, see if anybody uh, will actually bite. But it's the thing is, it's not hard to do a tarot reading. It doesn't require any kind of psychic ability whatsoever. Now, people who have some insight into the way people are and the and the concerns that people are likely to have if they come to you and want you to do a reading uh then you're going to do a better reading and so that might be worth a giggle so uh p- perhaps I'll try that one of these days but of course anybody who 
lives their life by the precepts of things like tarot card readings or horoscopes or going to visit psychics, obviously they have some problems in their life that need to be resolved. I, I do think that that's, it's, that's one of the things about, about psychics that I find the most troubling is that they are more than willing to accept people's money and adulation for nothing. They're, they're not providing anything of value. The very most that they can say is that uh, these people are paying them money to make educated guesses. That's really all it is. Because, the, you know, the, the, these people don't have any real insight and they don't have abilities you know, other than maybe the ability to, to be a smooth talker. I know a lot of uh, psychics are, are very aware that they don't have psychic ability. And I'm going to give you an example that uh, several years ago, back when I was living in Florida, I had a, a friend who was a telephone psychic. And he actually, at one point, had suggested to me that that might be a field of work that I might be interested in going to for several reasons. A, it paid reasonably well. B, it was easy work. And C, it didn't require any kind of qualifications other than the ability to talk to people on the phone. And when he suggested that I might become a, a telephone psychic, my res- my response was, well, that doesn't seem like a natural fit for me because I, I don't claim any kind of psychic powers at all. And he's like, well, you, no, that's it's not necessary. You really don't need that. But I and I did think about it. I thought about it very seriously because it sounded to me like the money was was pretty good uh, doing that that sort of thing. But ultimately, I decided not to. And the reason why I decided not to was because I don't have that much of a need to make money that I'm going to play on people's gullibility. The people who call these telephone psychic hotlines are troubled, troubled people. And I do often feel that I'd be taking advantage. I'd, you know, even though the advertisements say this is for entertainment purposes only, even though the ads say that, you know that there are a lot of people out there who really believe that these people have, have real powers and real insight into, into the future. And anybody who, who builds their life around that sort of thing, it just, they have more serious problems than the, uh, you know, Six ninety nine a minute that that these psychic hotlines cost, and uh, my friend, you know, said it's more psychology and just talking to people. And a lot of the people who call these things are desperately lonely, and they want somebody to talk to. And yeah, again, I I just kind of felt I didn't want to take advantage of of lonely people like that and and poor desperate people. But that's what psychics do, and that's what religion does. And I'm going to touch on that next. Uh, I'm going to. I'm actually preparing a show. I have a long weekend coming up, and I'm going to prepare the uh, show on psychics, uh, at least in outline form, this weekend, and and maybe get to this next week, beginning of next week, and uh, see what see what happens. That's one of my biggest pet peeves about about these so-called psychics is that that they really do take advantage of of people who are weak and people who are needy 
and are grasping at straws for any kind of solution in their life. Now, I know that um, some of the famous TV psychics, and I'll use Sylvia Brown as an example because uh, she actually ended up in court. And her ex-husband, who I guess she had a, a pretty nasty divorce battle with. Now, why would she marry him if she were really psychic? I want to know that. It's like it's the same question as you see these psychic uh, little uh, storefront psychics, then they they end up closing. Well, why did they close? I mean, if they were psychic, they would wouldn't they have known that? <laughs> um, and Sylvia Brown, you know, being the same thing, you know, she why would she have gotten into a marriage if she knew it wasn't going to work? I don't I don't think that uh, it makes any sense, obviously, and but it just goes to show. That even even a popular psychic like Sylvia Brown, who is very popular in in America, I don't know about other countries. She appears on the Montel Williams TV show and gives her uh, gives her predictions and, and so forth. And she has a terrible track record for for these predictions. And that's something that I will be bringing up in the next show. But you got to watch these, you know. You gotta watch what they're saying and you have to watch who they're targeting. And when you're running your commercials like Ms. Cleo, you know, at uh, three o'clock in the morning on local television, normal people aren't watching TV at that hour. <laughs> the message is that, you know, is going out here is that, you know, if you're desperate, you can turn to these people for help. Yeah. I, I don't think that's a, I don't think it should be illegal. I, I really don't. I think it's a form of fraud. It's false advertising. And the only reason they don't get into legal trouble is because they put in their advertisements for entertainment purposes only. But, I, but how many people, honestly, think about it. How many people really would call a psychic hotline and pay six ninety nine a minute or two ninety nine a minute or anything at all, really? If they didn't think they were going to get something out of it, other than entertainment, there's a lot better entertainment option out there. You know, there are much more reasonably priced entertainment options. So it really is taking advantage of people who are in need, and that is why I never became a telephone psychic. But uh, you know, I know that there are people out there who will do that, and and. They will take advantage of people's gullibility. Sylvia Brown said, uh, you know, famously, though she would deny it if you, if you asked her, but she's on, on record as saying, gullible people deserve to be ripped off. And that is where she made a fortune. You know, she charges $500 for a consultation. And this is why when I do these tarot readings that I've occasionally done over the years, I won't charge a penny. I wouldn't ever do that. I do it, and for me, it's a scientific experiment. I want to see what people's reaction is to the reading. So, yeah, I, I really, I really think that if if any of you know people who who really call these things the psychic hotlines, or who spend a lot of money having their past lives read, you you might want to consider some sort of an intervention. <laughs> Because these people obviously are not playing with a full deck. But uh, the, the, the people who really should be ashamed of themselves are the people who actually charge money to uh, victimize these people. But in the immortal words of P.T. Barnum, there's a sucker born every minute. 
And there are always going to be people who are all too anxious to take hard-earned money off these suckers. It's just a real shame that there are so many suckers out there who are dumb enough to fall into this trap. And it is a, it is an industry, and that's something that I'll be touching on next time. So I guess that's about all I have time for. I will uh, be back in a few days with episode 11. So for me here at uh, Tom Harris USA, have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, so thanks for listening. Now, that that was a blast from the past there to Tom Harris USA, episode number 10. And that is going to be the last of the lost episodes that I'm going to be reposting. So now all of the episodes should be online except for the first three. And episodes number one through three, the reason why I haven't reposted those is that I kind of feel like the quality isn't there. And I don't want to post them because I'm just... I don't, I wouldn't say I'm ashamed of them, really, but they're not my best work. And episode three in particular I thought was kind of boring, so I just kind of decided not to. Now, I've touched a lot upon a lot of the topics that I've talked about in the first three episodes in a lot of other places, so let's be honest, you're not going to miss anything. However, anybody who does want to hear them, they should let me know. And I will be more than happy to mail them to you or send them to you over Skype by file transfer, anything like that. So anyway, that's it for now. Thanks for listening. There will be, of course, my live show on Saturday and my new show, Radio Free Asgard, over at RadioFreeAsgard.com. So thanks for listening. This is Tom Harris in Chicago, Illinois, signing off. We'll see you next time.